peace on earth. Doesn't that sound peaceful? Doesn't that sound nice? But I have to admit, there are probably more times that I have heard those words or sang those words, maybe more than I've really felt them. And that even in this last year, there's been so much frustration, so much pain. You watch the news cycle and there are times that I have bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Like that song we just heard, it kind of owns the fact that we sing about this, but we don't often feel it. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. As you've watched the news cycle, as you've heard things this year where where hate does seem strong, or or at least the perception of hate, or, or at least someone out there wants me to think that there's hate, whether it's politics or racial issues or back and forth with one of your own family members. Maybe this year you've felt that way. Peace on earth, yes, I would love that. But it kind of seems like there are some dark places and some hateful places where I'm not sure if that's really possible. But the other thing that this song sang doesn't leave us in despair because it also says that God is going to do something about it. Like the first song we heard, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth earth. So as we continue in our Christmas cards series, we're picking up another letter from a man named Paul to his friends in a place called Ephesus, a place where they are actually looking for peace in, shockingly, all of the same places that we are in our culture right now, even though they lived 2,000 years ago. And Paul is going to help them understand that he thinks God is going to do something about it. God has done something about it. And that he can actually teach them and us how to have peace on earth. Now, is that pretentious or what? (laughs) I mean, to think that for all the people who would want that and have tried and have failed to really bring world Wide peace? I mean, what exactly are we talking about here when we say peace on earth? Like, that I feel peaceful or, or that I'm at peace with other people? Or what does it look like? What does it mean? Is it really possible for you to have peace on earth? Is it possible for us to have peace on earth? That can be a little bit of a different question. Because then it's not just for me to say, I'll, I'll block out the negativity and at least I feel peaceful. Well, now it's between us and other people. All the places where maybe we have mistrust, misgivings, feel different, don't like what other people think, I don't know. Can we actually have peace on earth? And if so, is Christmas really the difference maker? Is Jesus really the difference maker? So look at what Paul writes to his friends in this letter. He says, Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Now there's there's kind of a lot going on here. 
But Paul is talking to people in Ephesus who have decided that they actually believe the Christmas message. That it's not just about hope and good cheer, but that those things are actually because a king came from heaven to earth. That angels announced his coming and that the reason that he was here, the main message of Christmas, the main message of the Bible, is that we were far off from God. That we were separated from God by our inability to live up to his perfect standard, but that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that he came as a child, God in the flesh, that whoever believes in him, in his perfect life, perfect death, and resurrection, will not perish, will not face the penalty, not face the death penalty for all of the things we've done wrong that separate us from God, big or little, but will have everlasting life. That's John 3.16, written by one of Jesus' closest friends, and that's what he means about the blood of Christ. That the blood of Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross, paid the death penalty for us so that those who were far could be brought near to God again. Now, that's a lot, right? That's a lot to take in. And yet, that is the message of Christmas. So as much as we sing about Santa and we sing about reindeer and we sing about snow and we eat candy canes and then we eat too many candy canes and and it's a lot of fun, the place that it all began, the message at the core, is that he wasn't just here to be born. He was here to die, to shed his blood, to bring us who were far near to God. For he himself was our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So here there's, there's something going on in this peace that is actually between other people. That he's trying to make two groups of people, two individuals, one by breaking down the walls. You know, as we saw Chad in that video walking through that prison, maybe you picture that kind of wall. You know, a real wall that, that Paul was experiencing that was keeping him from freedom, keeping him from friends as he sat falsely accused and falsely imprisoned. And yet he was still finding peace. Or maybe you picture something like the Berlin Wall. You know, I remember when that came down. My aunt and uncle were living in Germany and I remember just staring at the TV thinking, how could people become so hate-filled toward one another? so distrusting of one another, so, you know, whatever, all the pieces and parts that went into that, that that they literally, physically built a wall to keep them separated. And yet, maybe not on the literal, physical sense, but a lot of us, we feel those walls of separation, don't we? Sometimes those walls show up in our own relationships. Maybe it's something that happened between you and a family member that seems to have built a wall. And that wall is the reason that maybe you didn't see them for Thanksgiving and you might not see them for Christmas either and they won't return your calls. And maybe, maybe that wall is built with bricks of that argument he keeps bringing up, that thing she keeps reminding you of. And you don't even mean to, but before long, it has built what feels like a literal wall right down the middle of the bed, right down the middle of the living room, right through the kitchen. 
There's a wall of separation. Maybe it's that thing that makes your son or your daughter stomp up the stairs and slam their door and communication is closed and there's a wall of separation. Or as you think about the news cycle this year, we've found many ways that are just too easy to feel separated just because we're different from each other. And maybe we don't even want it to be there, but somebody else seems to think that it is there and we don't know why and we don't know how to break down that wall. You see, what Paul is saying is that he believes that there is something unique about Christmas, that there is something unique about Jesus that he actually came to give the kind of peace that breaks down walls of separations. Remember, it was by his blood. So as Paul speaks to his friends from his prison cell, he's telling them there's actually something spiritual that needs to happen here. Now, spiritual things would not have been unfamiliar in Ephesus. In fact, they were very big into the Greco-Roman world of worship. In fact, you can see here a beautiful temple to Artemis that is still standing today. You can go and visit this temple. So they were very familiar with religious things and thinking that religious things might have some part to play in their lives. Only those religious things were very different than what Paul was talking about. You see, in many ways, what Paul was talking about was coming out of the Old Testament Jewish faith. That for thousands of years, they had been waiting for the one who breaks down walls. They had been waiting for what they call the Messiah. Or another word for it is the Christ. The Savior, the final fixer. And so not only did they have these spiritual differences, but but now Paul's writing to people who have said, I believe that. I'm giving up Artemis. I'm giving up Zeus. I believe that Jesus is the one and only way. And yet there were still racial and cultural walls of separation between the Greek world and the Jewish world. You could imagine the Jewish people were feeling like, we've been carrying this for thousands of years. Who are these Ephesians? Who are these Greeks that think that they can just butt in on our Messiah? They don't even keep the laws. They don't even know the Bible. And meanwhile, you have people in Ephesus thinking like, well, hey, I mean, I didn't choose my parents. I was, I was born this way. And, and besides, why are you picking on me just, just because I'm Ephesian instead of Jewish or whatever it is? And so Paul is telling them that's where Jesus breaks down the wall, right? That is where he wants to bring the far near. You remember these words. It's by the blood of Christ. He's showing them that he breaks down the wall because Jesus becomes the thing that they have in common. So this strong us and them begins to fall apart. The hate that they felt for one another unfounded, but that lasted for thousands of years, even across racial lines, could fall apart if they saw Jesus as their primary identity instead of their city, their culture, their background, whatever it was, that in Jesus, they didn't have to be separated anymore. That in Jesus, he actually breaks down the walls of separation so that we can have peace with others. I mean, that's the first way that we really take hold of what peace on earth looks like. That it may mean reaching out to someone 
somewhere that it feels like there's a wall between us. And, and recognizing, hey, you know what? If I don't have peace, maybe it's, maybe it's my fault. Maybe there's something I did to somebody else and I haven't wanted to own it. But I could ask for forgiveness. I could stand, extend an olive branch of peace at this season. Maybe it's something that someone did to me. I don't have peace because I just can't let it go. Maybe I need to offer forgiveness. And even if they don't receive it, maybe I need to release that rather than let it continue to chew me up and fester inside me. You know, sometimes it's just things that we see differently. Maybe you've made every effort to reconcile, but it's like, for whatever reason, I don't even think there's a problem here, but they refuse to let it go. And perception becomes reality, even if it's not real. Those are some of the hardest to identify, aren't they? Because you go back and forth, and, and my reality doesn't seem to match their reality, and so do I need to say I'm sorry, or I'm not even sure I did anything? Or should they be saying they're sorry? Because they're, I don't think they did anything. And the wall of separation can stay up. You know, as I think away about the way that our culture has hit this in the past year, you know, it seems like the, I, don't, I know we don't want to talk about it, but it seems like the political one is kind of always there. And it stirs up every once in a while where we just start to think that we really strongly dislike those people who think differently than I think. You know, but another way that it has showed up in our country this year is just like the Ephesians, it, it can come in the question of race. And I just have to tell you, on one simple perspective, as far as God is concerned, there's one human race. That we are all created in the image of God. The fact that we have humanity is what gives us eternal value to him. That's why when Paul showed up, between the Jews and the Ephesians, he says he wants to make both one. That you are no longer primarily Greek or Jewish or Gentile or whatever else, you are in Christ. That that becomes the primary identity. And, and so I could tell you stories about how I think about this or how I've wrestled with this or how I try to be active about this. You know, the, the friendships that I have or what, what it's looked like in my life to try to be active in building that kind of unity across cultural and racial lines. But as I thought about that, I thought, you know, in the interest of avoiding virtue signaling, which uh, maybe I've already done, um, I thought I would tell you about John Newton instead. You know about John Newton? So John Newton is the guy who wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I'll bet even if you haven't sung that for years, you probably knew the words. It is one of, if not the most famous spiritual song ever written. But did you know John Newton was racist? And I don't just mean like thought negatively about people who were different than him. I don't just mean he owned slaves. John Newton sold black people to white people. He was a slave trader. And, and, it, and it's, unfortunately, it's more than just like at a time where everyone thought that was okay. No, he was at a time that people were saying this has got to stop. 
And they were actually saying it because of what the Bible teaches. That because Jesus shows that in him we're all one, that in God we're all made in his image, we can't do this. We should be loving everyone the same because of Jesus. But John Newton was successful. He was making a lot of money. Business was good. And so he kept going. So rip that page out of every hymnal, right? Well, hold on. Because something changed for John Newton. In fact, he shifted from the slave trade. He actually quit the slave trade, learned how to love people who were different than him, including across that racial line as if they were his own family, and went from being one of any number of successful slave traders to actually being one of the greatest voices for the abolition of the slave trade that the world has ever seen. He became a hero of ending that discrimination and that slavery for one reason. John Newton met Jesus. Not in person. He lived many years after Jesus did. But he heard this message. He heard what the Bible talked about. He found that when he understood the grace of forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus offered him, it had to change the way that he thought about other people. That he learned to love and Jesus was the difference. From him being a forgotten name somewhere in history of bad people doing bad things to a man who could say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. He owned it, a wretch like me. And he changed, and the world changed, because he met Jesus. You see, that is Paul's point. That God says that those who call themselves Christians, if we're going to say that I believe the forgiveness God has given me, then I need to be different. In fact, one of my friends, he was actually a professor of mine, he, he wrote a book and he put it this way as he tried to describe how the Christ follower is different in this way. And he's one of the most brilliant minds in the study of the Bible, but honestly, he's just a nice guy, been to his house for burgers, good friend, deep thinker who really cares that this makes a difference for us. And this is how he put it. He said, the church itself is not made up of natural friends. Now, when he says the church, he doesn't mean the building, Horizon Community Church. The church is actually in the New Testament. It's used to describe the people. Not the building, but the people who gather there saying, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. So the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. And we get that, don't we? Like, even if it's not with hate, a lot of these are the things that make us kind of keep to ourselves, keep to our own group, keep to people that feel like they're more like me, all those things we have in common. So what binds us together is not anything of the sort. He says, in light of the fact that they have all been loved by Jesus himself, they commit themselves to doing what he says, and he commands them to love one another. In this light, They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. God, through Paul, I think is telling us today that that 
is why Christmas is the difference maker. Because it's not so vague as like God is love. It's a command from Jesus. As I have loved you, go love other people, including the people that are different than you. Like even the people who have hurt you, because that's where peace begins. Actively reach across the wall of separation. Actively begin to tear down those stones because that's what Jesus did. In fact, one of the ways that we're doing that around Horizon is through what we call the giving tree. And I've been thinking about this a little bit differently this year because we do it every year as an opportunity to give back, right? That we feel blessed and we want to give back. And that includes families and children who are in need. And it struck me that in many ways, when I approach the giving tree, I'm approaching strangers. People that I don't even know enough about them to know how different than me they might be. But I'm not waiting to find out either. I'm, I am, you are, we are. In fact, so many mittens are already gone from the tree. We are actively stepping over the wall, breaking it down, saying, how can I extend peace to you the way God has to me. In fact, it's so cool that as we do this series where we think about Paul writing from prison, we've been able to partner with 100 prisoners, men who are sitting in cells that need a reminder of peace this Christmas. And we've tried to make this really simple. You can actually go grab a Christmas card and a picture of a prisoner that you can actually write to them. Something simple to say Merry Christmas and offer them hope and peace this time of year. You know, maybe the giving tree is something that, that you or your family want to jump into. You know, maybe you're thinking of another person or, or something that's, that's been in the news cycle this year that you say, I would love to do something about that and step across that wall to make peace with others. But you know, for Paul, it's, it's more than just peace with others. And I think you've heard the undercurrent that makes this all work together for him. It's really that first, we need peace with God. Is that pretentious to say too? Did you know that you need peace with God? I mean, to be fair, you know, if you're still kicking the tires on Christianity and and maybe you're not sure how you feel about God or or Jesus or the Bible, like is Jesus really the thing? Well, then I want you to understand that, you know, all, all the catchy stuff that we hear about at Christmas and when you hear someone remind you that Jesus is the reason for the season and all those kinds of, you know, kind of catchphrases, well, well, this is why. Because peace on earth really doesn't exist unless we have peace with God. Now, here's what Paul kind of means by that. In the next couple of verses, he says this, that so what, what he's done by breaking down the middle wall of separation so as to create in himself one new man from the two. All right, whatever those separate sides are, whatever those things that have driven between us, between you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and that family member, whatever it is, that he wants to make those two one again. One man, one humanity, one people identified in Christ. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. 
thereby putting to death the enmity. Remember that first song we sang? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That word sinners actually encompasses all of us. It's just a word that means that we have missed God's perfect standard, either on accident and on purpose, if we're honest with ourselves. And that instead of ranking ourselves for who really deserves prison and who, like, my thing's not that bad and who, who deserves eternal punishment and, well, what should I be separated from God for? The message of the Bible is that that's all of us. That we all need reconciliation with God and instead of him sitting back and saying, you got, I'll give you somewhere between 40 and 80 years to prove to me that you're worth reconciliation, that I should forgive you and give you peace. Instead, God plans Christmas. A baby that is going to be born. But that's only the beginning. That he would grow to die on that cross, just like we talked about with his blood, to actually make peace. And that is not something I earn. It's something I receive. That it's a gift from God. And sometimes that's difficult to receive. Sometimes that's difficult to to understand, sometimes that's difficult to share. You know, as I think about this, it, I have to be a little bit vague about these details, I suppose, but I'm thinking of a family member, one in particular, that I know what happened and, and I know why it feels like we can't get around it and we've tried to own our part and other people have too and, and we just want to have peace on earth in the family. But if I level with you, hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. The vitriol we receive when we try to make peace is one of the most painful things I think our family's ever experienced. And the reason I share that with you is because I think it is still worth it for us to try to extend peace, to offer that. But also because I've realized you can't force people to receive it. See, and I think that helps me understand what God is saying here, what God is doing here, because God is extending a gift of peace to us. I, I just happened to find this present that literally says, peace. And when he gives you this gift, the tag just says, from God to you but will you receive it? You know, like that family member, peace is available. We could be reconciled yesterday if they wanted to. And so I think the final thing that, that Paul really wants us to understand, to have peace on earth, not only peace with others and peace with God, but I think God is extending peace to everyone including you. You see, Jesus and the story of Jesus is our proof that every single person's soul matters to God. Every 
black person, every white person, every person of every nationality, from every country of any language, every man, every woman, every child, every unborn child. They matter to God because he created them in his image and he wants to give us eternal life. We have eternal value to him. Which is why no matter what challenges you are facing in this season, no matter what your holiday season has looked like that maybe you hoped it would be different, we can have peace on earth if we have peace with God. That we can extend peace to others because he has offered peace to everyone. This is how Paul puts it. That he came and preached peace to you that's the gift from God to you who were afar off and to those who were near and I love that he uses that language because what that tells me is some of us we feel like we are near you know maybe I grew up around church maybe I heard about God a lot I don't know I don't really feel like I've been that far off I haven't really made big mistakes in my life you need peace too Or maybe I feel like I've been really far off. Maybe I haven't gone to church in decades and I don't even know why I'm watching this today, but somebody sent it to me and so here I am. Or maybe I haven't been in a long time and I feel like, is God still speaking peace to me? Is he still really talking to me? Is this still for me? And I think he's telling you that he is speaking peace to you whether you feel far off or you feel near. You know, if you ever feel like you're having a hard time accepting that gift, I've been there, I know what that feels like, and and I'll spare you the details, but a few years ago was probably one of the least peaceful times in my entire life. We were house hunting, which can be exciting, but we had three houses with accepted offers fall through. It took us 10 months of like seeming success and then failure before we finally ended up in the fourth house. And we love it. But what I learned along the way was that when the first house showed up, I thought, oh my word, it's the perfect place, it's the perfect price, it's the perfect timing, God is so good, thank you God, and then it fell through. And I had this challenge like, do I still trust him? Yes, yes, I do, but I really wrestled with it. I started to question myself, I started to question God, I started to question, maybe I'm farther off than I thought, or what, what, what's going on here? Is he angry at me? Is he, will he still talk to me? And I start to get in my own head instead of listening to his peace. And so I, I had mentors and people kind of helped me through that. And so when we got to the second house, it was like, oh my word, he showed up. He's good. After all, I decided to trust him. And, and then that one fell through. And now there was a new test. Did I really believe what I said I did after the first house that I'm going to trust him? And then there was the third house. And by the time we got to the fourth house, the one that we ended up in, I can honestly tell you that I felt peaceful. That even if that house fell through, it didn't change God's love for me. It didn't change if he was with me. I realized that too many times without even knowing it, I was counting on my circumstances for my peace. That I couldn't feel peaceful if my circumstances weren't peaceful. And we actually had a day where it looked like the fourth house was going to fall through too. And it was going to be bad because all of our stuff was already in pods. The whole deal. And I actually felt peaceful because I knew that I was looking at something beyond my circumstances, which was the peace that God had given me, the forgiveness that God had given me through Jesus Christ. 
In fact, it was actually a verse from this very chapter of Paul's letter that changed it for me. And this is what I mean when we talk about Jesus. I want you to hear me say that he himself is our peace. Ephesians 2.14, right out of this chapter, is exactly the verse, exactly the words that changed my life that moment, that changed the way I approached that entire thing when I realized the house is not my peace, a good deal is not my peace, in my timing is not my peace. He himself is my peace. And even if everything else around me falls apart or changes, what I have seen proven true, and I would share with you just from my heart today, he does not change which is why he can be my peace. That's why Linus in the famous Charlie Brown Christmas special, when he's talking about shepherds with their sheep and the angels are singing and the star is shining, he reads the words, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, when he talks about Jesus' birth. That's actually Luke 2.14. So from Ephesians 2.14 to Luke 2.14, here's what we find. The angels can say peace on earth because if Jesus is our peace and he just came to earth, then for the first time ever, peace is on earth in the flesh. This is my key takeaway and and maybe you share it with me. I, I just want you to hear this. Jesus doesn't just give peace on earth. He is peace on earth. I know that's a big statement. I know that's a strong statement. I know that you still may be wrestling with that or wondering what that means. But if I could give that gift to you this Christmas and if you could just receive it, to let there be peace, to let Jesus make peace with you this Christmas. And then maybe because of that, there's someone in some place in some time that you wanna offer peace, offer forgiveness because you have felt it from him first. We're going to hear a song about that very thing as we close. How to let there be peace. But would you pray with me before we do? And maybe you even just want to use these words. Jesus, would you tear down the wall of separation between me and God this Christmas and let there be peace? Jesus, I receive your peace. Would you help me extend it to others? Jesus, let there be peace and let it start in me. Amen.